Hey, this is Amanda, women's health dietitian. And I'm Emily, nutritional therapy practitioner. And this is the Are You Menstrual podcast, where we help you navigate the confusing world of women's hormones and teach you how to have healthy periods. Each week, we will be diving into a different topic on women's health and sharing our perspective using nutrition, female physiology, and metabolic health. Our goal is to help you wade through conflicting health information and empower you on your healing journey. We hope you enjoy it. All right. In this episode, we are covering an important, but I would say challenging topic about recovering from miscarriage with my colleague and friend, Meg Langston. Meg is a nutritional therapy practitioner, root cause protocol consultant, and restorative wellness practitioner. She works with women to help restore their metabolic health in order to have healthy hormones, thyroid, and digestive system. She believes the body talks back to symptoms and through body literacy and a food first approach to healing and feeling your best self can happen. If you don't follow Meg on Instagram, she's at Meg underscore Langston. She's an amazing person. And I'm just really grateful that you're here to chat with me about this today, Meg. Yeah, no, I know that this is a hard, you know, topic. And I feel like the women that are going to be listening to this, it's probably going to be in a state of potentially a lot of tears and just desperate hope. And I just, I know all that. So I, although it's not anything I wish people to go through, I understand that it is a very hard thing to go through. And I'm, I'm in an odd way, very grateful for the opportunity to have my passion be about health and be able to speak into potentially what some of the things that you can do in order to improve your chances of getting pregnant or getting pregnant again after, you know, this may be first or second child or trying to conceive and and you're having a hard time. Yeah. And so really the goal of this episode is like provide hope and encouragement for sure, but we are going to go through quite a bit to hopefully give you some resources. We got a lot of questions on Instagram asking about a lot of specifics, labs, like nutrition supplements. So we're going to get into all that stuff, but I would love to have you start Meg with your background and your experience with miscarriage. Yeah. So I I don't think my story is very unique, but I don't think it's talked about. And so when I was first trying to conceive, so I have two sons now. So when I was first trying to conceive, it was with my sweet four-year-old, Brady. And it was a really easy, it, we fell pregnant right away. I was using fertility awareness method for two years at the time or longer. And was able to not get pregnant using fertility awareness. As soon as we decided to try, we switched over and that month I got pregnant. And so I really didn't think about it, me ever having a hard time. Like I didn't think that would ever really be a thing. And as you heard in my background, like I work with women and specializing in hormones and helping with fertility health, you know, along other things. And so that is something I devoted not only my career to, but also something that I took seriously and implemented in my own health. And so part of what I'm going to talk about is things when you're doing all the quote right things, but still having a miscarriage. I think that's going to be something that is important to communicate along with things that if you are not maybe sure on what to implement, how to implement that. So by the time I was ready to try to get pregnant with our second, we had gone through an entire year and were unable to get pregnant. And 
each month, you know, even month two and three set in of panic because I did fall pregnant so easily with Brady. And so a year goes by and I'm like desperate for help. I actually have a really good friend and colleague English with the nourishing tree. And I reached out to her and I was like, you've got to talk me through this. You know, what am I missing here? And her and I went back and forth and we communicated. I decided to do some testing. One of the tests, which I can go into more detail later, was a GI map. It's why I I run my practice always doing a GI map. Turns out I did have Giardia. I did a full blood panel. My husband and I both had something called iron overload that was causing a lot of stress on our body. So we worked on implementing some of those changes and we finally fell pregnant. And I was so excited. I remember when I fell pregnant... I was at my mother-in-law's or when I found I was pregnant, we were headed to my mother-in-law's and I told her immediately because I just knew it was not going to be an issue. She was actually making something at the time. And I remember feeling like a little nauseous, which I never felt with Brady. So I was like, Ooh, it must be a girl. And I'm just dreamy. (laughs) And I, you know, I'm just like so excited. I'm thinking of all these things and I miscarried. And I was like, I had no words. Like it, that didn't happen to me. I, I could not, comprehend like how that happened and and how I even like first was in that, I don't know, that category of a woman that has a miscarriage because that's just not who I was. That didn't happen to me. And that is not part of me being a professional in women's health. That doesn't make sense. And so it was a lot of identity struggle. And I was just telling Amanda before we, we were getting on here was that I actually felt embarrassed. I was like, how could my life be focused on helping women when I actually had a miscarriage myself? So I struggled a lot with my identity and I struggled a lot with how much I wanted to share. I actually had an Instagram account tell me that clearly I'm not as good as I talk to be because I, I had a miscarriage. So I don't must not know my stuff. And that really ate me up. And I'm like, gosh, like, you know, what am I not doing right? And I just, you know, got more serious on my testing more and buckle down. And I got pregnant right away afterwards and was so excited. And same thing was a little nervous, but I was like, listen, it's not gonna happen to me twice. That's just not my story. Miscarriage happens. It's a, it's a sad situation, but like I am good. And Christmas Eve, my dear friends and I were together, we were celebrating and I felt the same cramping and the same back pain and panic absolutely set in. I like wouldn't move from the couch because I thought if I stood up, the baby would, I would lose the baby. And so it was one of the hardest Christmas. Now I'm crying. (laughs) It's just such a hard Christmas and not as joyful as I, you know, wanted it to be, but it was also first time uh, my son was talking about Santa. So I held on tight and Christmas day I did, I miscarried and I kept even testing. I'm sure some women can probably understand this feeling. I kept testing and I kept seeing it being pregnant. And I was just like, this can't be true. So it was really hard. And ultimately when I was able to grieve and you have to grieve, I think one of the things I wrote about this in a post that you cannot miss that I did miss the first time was I buckled down and I was like, okay, mis- miscarriage just happened. Let me buckle down and be perfect on my health. And I didn't grieve. And 
you know, it was almost like too hard not to grieve on Christmas Day because you're like, well, you know, how can this go on Christmas Day? It's not like, where's my Christmas miracle? And so thankfully, I was almost on Christmas because it allowed me to make it a more of an emotional thing that truly I actually just needed to release. And um, I think it's so important to get a team around you always when you're trying to work on your health, but especially when you're working on a health with such huge traumatic impacts, like losing a child back to back. And I think that that's just something that as you're, if you're in this season of life, it is worth spending the money. It is worth getting the team around you, whether that be a counselor or a therapist or a grief counselor, because there's just things in life that we are not necessarily equipped and hopefully don't necessarily have to be as skillful in like grieving well and having the tools to do that. And I certainly did it. And so having those tools and learning how to cope and grieve well and release some of the stress I was putting on myself really made a huge difference on how I was able to look at health. And through these conversations of community, and I had friends that, you know, faith is important to me. So they came over and they prayed with me and we talked through things. And I had my my counselor and we we would talk through skills. And through all of these different things, the number one thing, and you put this in there because I, Amanda, you were like, isn't this when you start talking about fun? It absolutely is when I started talking about fun because for me to buckle down in health, it, it wasn't about not taking a correct supplement at, at the right time. It wasn't about eating enough and it wasn't about eating the right foods. It was that I was in a constant state of stress. And it's hard to tell somebody, hey, I know you're trying to be pregnant. Don't be stressed about it because that's not necessarily how you can go about it to de-stress yourself. But what you can do is you can schedule in fun. And so I think this is huge. And I think that what I don't want you to do is hear this and just be like, screw it. Like I hear what you're saying, but it's not, I'm not going to do that. Or I'm trying to, or I have enough. And it matters. It matters for two reasons. It matters because it actually will impact your health, right? Like it actually will progesterone will be increased because it will not cortisol can prefer to make Pregnenolone can prefer to make cortisol over progesterone, and that progesterone is needed in order to keep a healthy pregnancy. And so when you're in this constant state of stress and fight or flight, what can happen is we are our progesterone is lowered. We are not able to carry a healthy pregnancy. So there, that matters because it actually is strategic. But more than that, it matters because you don't know what tomorrow brings and you don't know, you know what is going to happen and you deserve to have fun in your life. And I know that's hard to hear, but it matters so much with health. Even if you're trying to get yourself pooping regularly and you're constipated, it matters. It matters so much because our life is more than just a healing process. And so... I scheduled in fun and it took me a long time to figure out what was fun to me. Was it working out? Well, I didn't want to work out too much. Was it, you know, painting? Well, I can't sit still, you know, like, so what, what was it? And I, and I struggled and I, and I tried a lot of different things. And just like in middle school, when you're like, am I Gothic or am I like, you know, my sporty spice or my baby spice? (laughs) I was trying on all these different identities (laughs) and I figured, you know, for me, it was actually a simple sitting outside and, being with my family and we started doing board game nights and things like that. That was a lot of laughter and fun, deep conversations and, and all of that. So I don't need to miss that. But the reality too, is that sometimes you can't control the stress around you. And in this season of life, 
I was under a lot of stress. I had a couple of addicts and <laughs> just hanging around. I had family members struggling with addiction and it was very much consuming my life. And so those connections and tools that I leaned on with community, leaned on with counseling and started to implement the fun and stepping away from the constant grief and trauma allowed my myself to just stop focusing on the pain and my body to actually start to heal. So that is pretty much my story and how the miscarriages happened and the things that I, I worked on. I did work on iron overload. I did work on doing a GI map. I did work on some, I had Giardia at a parasite. And it was actually during this parasite protocol that I wound up falling pregnant with my son, James. We were not trying at the time. We went away for a weekend for my birthday and bada bing, bada boom. And so, <laughs> you know, we fell pregnant and I, I know I'm keep talking. I'm sorry. Do you have any No, questions? no, no. This is great. And I'm taking notes. So like those, there'll be okay. things that I highlight. Cause I know that one of the questions was like, how did, how was your mindset during pregnancy? And yeah. it was not good. It was not, I was not okay. I literally just like the night where I was like, if I get up, the baby's going to fall out. Thought that I didn't work out. Like there's, if you are healthy and you are approved to work out, you are, it is very, very beneficial for you to work out. But I was afraid. I was afraid, you know, same thing. If I squat, the baby's going to come out. Like, I mean, not really, but I was so fearful of just like losing the baby and any extra stress you know, during the time I had already fallen pregnant. And so I was just trying to not mentally let myself go crazy, but there were nights. And so the nights where I was up late researching something, I would get up and I would try to put my phone down and I would do something else. Even if that meant like cleaning or watching something, sometimes I would read a completely different book, just not on health related at all, which is normally what I love, just in order to get my mind off of it. And I kept having to kind of basically stop that obsessively thinking of what if something goes wrong and to get through it. But I, I was fearful and I wish I could say that like I wasn't, I, you know, again, faith is very important to me. I feel like there's, if there's one thing that you ever notice on my page, you may notice daisies. And that's because it was a word that was spoken to me, I believe. And it was not to go into too much here, but it was a word that I kept hearing. Oh, the word daisies, daisies, daisies. And when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh, that's why it's a girl. And actually, when I found out that it was a boy, I was really taken back. I was like, oh, I guess I'm just hearing things. And when I looked up what it meant, it meant that it's a promise to mothers of fertility and a baby. Ooh after they had miscarried and lost a baby. And so I was like, whoa, I didn't realize that's what daisies meant. And so it was just like this powerful meaning that I took different things in my life and I held on to hope. And you see, hopefully throughout my Instagram as well, that I often talk about hope and I talk about it in a way of, it impacted me mostly with miscarriages, but also in just your terms of healing, like there is hope, there is an expectancy of good things. And even if those expectancies of good things are not necessarily the result of what you're hoping for, there are good things because that's how just the circle of life works. Like it's coming for you. And so during that first trimester, it was really hard. I kept grounding towards my faith, my hope. I also felt the things like, oh, I'm scared to work out. And I would put, bring it out in light and talk about it and let people speak into my life of like, it's not going to fall out. That's not how it works. So <laughs> I love, no, I love that. And I'm happy that you tied that in then. Cause it, 
that was a very, very common question that we got. But I, I think the like my biggest takeaways is like obviously miscarriage, that type of loss is just so painful. Especially I'm like, you already have Brady, so it's not like like you already have experienced it, right? You know yeah. how powerful and special pregnancy is and having a baby. I feel like that's just challenging. But grieving and then like having a community to grieve with, I feel like that's a really big takeaway. And I have a few f- dietitian friends that have experienced miscarriage and they like eventually talked about it on their Instagrams. And it's like, they're like, it felt so good to just like say it and get it out, you know, and just like share it with other people. And they're like, why don't more women talk about this? I do think women talk about it more now, but I think specifically within, like you said, the holistic health space, like you work here, this is your job. It's your identity. It's what you do. So like, that is very it's challenging. Not in the holistic space. It's not. No, like, this is what you should be doing. And if you're not doing it, then go back to square one and start supporting your liver. And that's not always the case. And that's yeah. why I, I'm saying you cannot miss the season of life that you're in. And you cannot miss the fact that you have to schedule and rest you have to schedule in fun and you have to make sure that you're doing those lifestyle things. Again, not only because it does result in supporting your hormones and it does result in health, but also because you never know the outcome and it's just not worth as hard as that is to hear continuing to go down the road of dark, 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 deep, sad thoughts when there is tomorrow. And like obsession, I think too, like one of the things you said, I think it's really important to like highlight is you were trying for a year. You know, you, you are already kind of really diving into things and focusing on this a ton. So, and I think that's a lot of women when they experience miscarriage is like, usually there's some sort of issue with conception, not always, but then it's like, okay, well, I was already having this issue with conceiving and like the whole trying to conceive journey is stressful. I feel like whether you have issues conceiving or not. And so having like those really big stressors and being like so focused and I mean, labs are great and we can talk more about that stuff of like, you know, what to do after you have miscarried and how you can like, you know, be a little detective and support yourself. But I do think there's something to say for like stepping away, like you're saying, and looking at other areas of your life because it's like, is how you're living supporting you? And sometimes it can be really hard to like really hear and analyze that answer. Yeah, it is really hard. And if you feel like it's not, but I don't know what to do with it, again, counsel can be helpful. But also for me, as silly as this was, it was getting out a little planner and schedule and it was actually scheduling it in. I sincerely, it is not natural for me to have fun. I'm very type A. I'm, you know, fast oxidizer. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm blah, blah, blah. it takes a lot of effort for me to slow down. And so if that feels like you and you do well with schedules, then I would, I would sit down and have a conversation around your family members and your loved ones about expectations because that matters. Cause they may not be on that. You may be like, let's go on a slow, slow time. And they, they're like, Whoa, whiplash. Like I thought we were going crazy here. So I think sitting down and having these expectation conversations and actually scheduling in rest and fun is going to be important and sex without trying to conceive is yes. also going to be important. Yeah, that trying to conceive took us a year and I'll tell you what, that will just crush your sex life. <laughs> I mean, oh, okay. 
It just takes the fun out of it. And when we, I was like, finally, I'm like, we cannot, there, no more trying to time anything. I'm like, I'm going to yeah. lose my mind. So, it, and then like turning it into like much more like romantic and fun. Like I will never forget those times and yeah. then getting pregnant. So also I, I'm going to, when I do Instagram posts for this podcast, one of them is going to be our life is more than a healing process. Mm. Very good quote. Like oh, I said that, that hit me hard. Yeah. <laughs> You said that and I was like, oof, like I think a lot of people that are listening, especially, you know, I have a lot of women in my membership and like course students that listen and just the, even my community on Instagram and a lot of them, like they've tried a lot of things and they've implemented things that I've shared and they're on that healing journey. And just to hear that, like there is more in your life outside of that and really honing in and focusing on that. Like, who are you outside of your healing? You yeah. Know? And I think that's, you know, I'm really important also because I know, and you know, that when you do not feel good and when you are grieving, when you can't poop, when you're feeling like I can't control my PMS, and that's a serious thing. Like you have all these actual symptoms. It's like, I hear what you're saying, but I, it affects me every single day. And that's why I think that, and I hear that. I understand that feeling, but it matters to step away. And again, for me, it was scheduling for, you know, you can talk through what is going to be best for you and it's worth exploring and trying on the, you know, different hats of what you think may work. But I think it's in order, everything in life takes endurance. And when we think of endure, we think of grit and go, but I think of it as like strategically, I think of endure as just like such a powerful, like almost as like when I think of like brave and courageous, I think of endurance because I think of it as like when you're enduring, you are just like badass. Like I'm enduring. I have endurance. Like I can get through this. And in order to get through this symptom, grief, loss, you know, miscarriage, whatever, period, pooping, all those, you have to take a step out in order to keep going. Otherwise you can't run a marathon at a sprint pace. Like that can't happen. And I feel like after loss, you just get so crazy obsessed with like, what do I know? You know, that you just like spin out of control to get that pregnancy, especially, I, I guess I can't say especially because I don't know from experience, but for me, I had already been pregnant. I, my body should be able to do this. Clearly I'm missing something that I need to figure out in order to get myself pregnant and have a baby. Yeah. I, I think that too, like is once you go down the road, it, there, it's so important to understand what's going on and where you're at, like where you're starting from. But it can become obsessive, especially if you are that type A person. And I only, I only mentioned the whole, like our life is more than a healing process. I like highlighting that because I know I can like think of certain people in mind that are going to listen to this episode. And we've had conversations where we're, and I will fully admit this is where I'm at in my life right now, where we're like, what do we like to do for fun? Yeah. And what do I want to do? Like, I'll get like some time without my daughter, which I honestly hate. I don't mm-hmm. know. Don't like being away from her. I just, I never thought I'd be like that, but that's the crazy kind of mom I am. And I'll get time and I'm like, don't know. Don't really care. I have no passion outside of that, which I don't love, you know, like I think it's probably normal the season I'm in, but I'm like, man, like, I, when I think of myself now, I'm like, okay, women's health dietitian, mom, wife. I'm like, that's not who I am. You know, those are just things that are like parts of me. And I think it's important to work on the, like that other aspect of like, what are you passionate about? Like outside of work and your family and you know, what, what can you schedule? Cause that's going to, I think help lead people to, 
what are you going to schedule in for fun? What are you yeah. going to be intentional with? Yeah. And when we're so self-reflective or self-focused like on self, it leaves us sicker. When yeah. And if you're stuck, do, like, you know, try to serve somewhere else. Do you like puppies? Serve at an animal shelter. You know, do you like to, you know, I don't even know. Like, what else is there that you can serve? I swear I'm a good person. I think about that stuff. <laughs> but like, you know, just figure out what you, breaks your heart and try to even serve if you feel stuck. And that may spark some joy. Try to see if you like knitting, you know? And I think that, like you said, it is normal season of life. Like, of a mom, I still tell Brady, like, hey, who are you bringing to prom? Mom, yeah. all right. So I'm like, I'm still like very much like, can I have puff paint earrings with like the Billy's pictures like hanging from me? Like, this but yeah. So I think I think it's normal. I've been there and outside of grief, and obviously you're in that season of life. So if you're like, I don't know what to do for fun, stop telling me to have fun because I don't know what it is. It's normal, but it is worth pursuing. I like the serve other people idea. I whatever, and I know like yes, like I, it's important to take care of yourself, and you kind of get to this point where you're just like, am I like really taking care of myself? But the I like doing things for other people. I like gifting people things. It's like my love language to them. It's like a burst of energy. Yeah, it does. And it's, if you can't find anything, I mean, local churches always do stuff like that. Like our church has like something every day, basically that you can volunteer for. So uh, even if you don't go to a church, if you're like, I want to find easy ways to like volunteer and help people. If you go on their website, they typically have like outreach programs that they do that you can, because if you're like, I don't even know where to begin, like that's. Or animals or zoos, or, you know, I think that there is different things that when you give, it, it it truly gives you a burst of energy because we're not meant to sit on this earth. And I swear we'll get to labs and stuff too. Yeah. But we're not meant to sit on this earth to just consume our own like stress and think about what we're not doing, how we're not good enough, how we're not getting what we want and how we can perfect. It's just, that's just not what keeps us living. And so that is what culture will tell us. That is what society breathes in us. That is what marketing tells us. And I'm not anti-consumerism. Like I love a good Lululemon pant and Amazon, but I am saying that whether you may notice it or not, we are being way more engulfed in this culture of you are not enough. You need to do more. Even in the holistic community, you are not enough. You need to do more. And I'm saying you need to take a deep breath and you need to walk outside and you need to turn off Instagram for a second. You need to schedule in some fun and figure out what else you can do beyond looking at yourself and thinking all those things. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So let's go into a little bit on like possible causes of miscarriage. I think this is going to be very unique for the person. So, you know, keep, keep this in context to yourself, to anyone listening, but what, what would you like start digging into if you were kind of dealing yeah. with this? Super easy. Body literacy, know your cycle. This matters not to get pregnant necessarily. One, it does matter. Like you may not actually, if you are following an app and you're trying to get pregnant and you're, you know, you're following on cycle day 14 and you're not getting pregnant. So if you're listening to this and it's not grief and miscarriage, it's actually, I'm just not getting pregnant and that hurts my heart. 
get with a fertility awareness method practitioner or or read, you know, the fifth vital sign, taking charge of your fertility. Those are all books that can teach you about your cycle. Those books are actually something I would also utilize because once you know your cycle, you can say, ooh, you know what? I actually may have too much estrogen because I have really long bleeds. I'm bleeding for over five days. Or I'm actually spotting, which is too little progesterone, or I have cervical mucus in my cycle where it shouldn't be. So the first key would be to understand your cycle, have a basic foundation of what is normal and what is outside of that normal. And again, if you are unable to work with somebody or, you know, Amanda's, you know, all of your information has an normal cycles. I think mine has some pretty good stuff too. Like we, we talk about it on our Instagrams, but work with somebody or get those books where you can highlight and keep going back to. But if your cycle is short, then that's going to end short in that luteal phase. Meaning if your cycle is short, meaning your period is coming sooner, then that is a good sign that you may have low progesterone. If you are spotting low progesterone, so cervical mucus is a normal mucus that comes up around ovulation, and it's meant to capture the sperm, feed the sperm, take the sperm where it needs to go. Very appropriate, wonderful sign of health. What would be abnormal is that during that luteal phase, so after we've confirmed ovulation, that you start seeing cervical mucus again. You should have enough progesterone to dry up that cervical mucus. So if you're noticing cervical mucus outside of ovulation, then it's a sign potentially that you are not, that you are low in progesterone. Again, progesterone is needed for pregnancy when there's an imbalance of, so excess estrogen to progesterone. So we have too much estrogen that can, what is it like 10 to 20 times more progesterone that we need than estrogen? I think. Yeah. Is that, is that right? I think, I think it's closer to 20. 20. Okay. So you need more progesterone, enough progesterone to oppose estrogen appropriately and keep it in balance. And so when we have an excess of estrogen, we are estrogen dominant. That can impact fertility as well. That can be too much of a stressor on our body. We may not be making enough progesterone. And so that would look like clotting, heavy periods. That could be an implication of an excess of estrogen to progesterone that could contribute to a miscarriage. So knowing your cycle is going to be the biggest thing. And obviously the number one thing that we, I think we would see the most is low progesterone impacting that. What else can impact low progesterone? Thyroid. So that's why thyroid testing is so important to know. So if you do not have access or you're struggling with your doctor, an easy at-home test is a basal body temperature. First, when you wake up, you know, take your basal body temperature, see where it's at. In your cycle, there are first half and second half, there are different temperatures it should be at. And if it's lower than those ideal temperatures, then it's a sign that you may have a low functioning thyroid and therefore progesterone may not be ideal and could be contributing to a chronic if you're having miscarriages. Hey, Amanda here, just giving you a quick 
break, hopefully a, a break for your brain in the middle of this podcast episode to remind you that if you haven't gone through our free training, Optimizing Hormone Health Through Mineral Balance, we really do recommend starting there. And the main reason for that is because you're going to hear us say things like mineral foundation, having a solid foundation. Are you putting the foundations in place? Especially what was we get deeper and deeper into different hormonal topics and specific imbalances in the body, the, the mineral foundation is always going to be so essential. So if you haven't watched the free training, you can find it in our show notes or you can go to hormonehealingrd.com and it's going to be right on that front page there. But we really recommend starting there so that you can understand how is your current mineral status? How do you assess this and how to get started with all that just so you can get as much as you possibly can out of the rest of the podcast episodes. But that's it. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Yeah, I feel like thyroid's so big. I mean, especially like if someone hasn't also like yet conceived, I find that if they had a hard time conceiving and then they have a miscarriage, like my first thought is how is their thyroid functioning? And like, is that in a good place? Because yes, progesterone is important, but it's kind of like we can definitely take progesterone. And I don't think there's anything wrong with supplement. I supplemented with progesterone when I during my first trimester and I like feel like totally fine about that. But it's like, okay, what is causing the lower progesterone? Is it a possible thyroid issue? Cause that's going to impact, you know, are you ovulating? How yeah. like the length of your cycle, all those things you just went through. So, and I have the fertility awareness method episode I'll share in the show notes where I talk with Nina about fam and I have like a full thyroid episode and a metabolism one. So I know Meg just dropped a lot of knowledge with like the hormones, the basal body temperature. If you're like, this is brand new to me, I'm going to link those episodes in the show notes so you guys can dig in more and listen to those. Yeah. And I think, so there are people that are going to be like me, or maybe they've addressed the lifestyle stuff too. So they're not quite me, but they're doing their, they check their thyroid, their thyroid is good. They're eating enough and they feel like stress is not really relevant. Something just to note, there is blood disorders and blood clotting disorders that sometimes can cause miscarriages. This is actually going to lead into one of the things that I recommend. Obviously, check with your practitioner and your team around you, but this is where often why even your midwives will say low-dose aspirin is okay is because of that. But I'm actually a fan of aspirin for anybody that has had a miscarriage or that is trying to conceive. It's something that both my husband and I decided was a good idea to take. And we decided that, yeah, that it was a good idea. So some of the things that aspirin has been shown to be helpful with is protecting against preeclampsia. It's shown to help with insulin sensitivity. So if there's blood sugar dysregulation, that can be a contributing factor to stress in the body, low progesterone, just under eating, you know, that can be a sign of or can contribute to miscarriages if we're if our body's under too much stress. So you have to address those too. But aspirin can help with insulin sensitivity. It can help with suppressing prostaglandins. And those are basically just like a type of lipid that we see this often too when somebody has high estrogen dominant symptoms, they have a lot of prostaglandins that can cause like extreme like diarrhea and digestive issues. So prostaglandins basically are good, but they can contribute to a lot of inflammation and sometimes dysfunction when there's too many of them. So aspirin can be helpful for that. It works similar to vitamin E. 
Aspirin can improve liver function. It can, it's been proven to help with antifungal and actually even some doctors will recommend it, which I didn't realize with candida overgrowth. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Hmm. And it's known to help obviously with inflammation, as we talked about with the prostaglandins and basically mitochondrial health. So cell health. So for all of those reasons, that's the number one thing that I decided to take in my preconception health throughout most of my pregnancy. That may not be something that you always hear or see. And it is something that my husband and I decided to take. And again, most doctors, if you've gone through all the testing and everything's fine, they, in terms of functional standards, so obviously listen to those episodes because you want to make sure that you're looking at functional standards. It may be something even as like as much as a blood clotting disorder and taking an aspirin. I decided to do a little bit higher dosage than the baby aspirin based on my research, but that may be something that may be helpful for you and usually what doctors are on board with, surprisingly. So I know the one thing. Okay, two questions I know people will have. What brand do you like? I knew you were gonna say that. Aspirin. Yeah. yeah. I usually I do like Jerry Care. So mm-hmm. that's what I will use. And it is 325. I never broke it in half. I felt comfortable taking that large of dosage, but I would say if you're uncomfortable, obviously talk to your practitioner about it and start with baby aspirin because that's where a lot of this research is coming from is baby aspirin. And then is it going to cause ulcers and destroy your stomach? It is not. And actually there's a lot of research that shows, have you read a lot about aspirin? I don't, I don't know. If yeah. I, I haven't really talked about it. I don't personally take it. I just never experimented with it because I didn't have a reason to, yeah. but, and I, I'm like still trying to figure out what it does to copper. I like read a couple of research articles about how to oh. test copper. Oh, in, in a good way or bad way? In a bad way. So I'm like, uh, really? I don't know. Yeah, I'll let you know what I what consensus yeah, I come to. <laughs> because I've, I mean, I one of the things that it really helps with as well is calcium absorption and utilization. Obviously, you need mm. vitamin K as well. So I almost was like, I, and I'm curious to look into this more. But and like I said, I use this for if you've had miscarriages. That's I don't really use it outside of that. But I am interested because if there is research that I have read that talks about the utilization of inserting calcium into the bone with aspirin and vitamin K, well, so just like eating kale and cooked kale. And so I was wondering if it was a fast oxidizer thing, like is it could be that that fast oxidizer using aspirin is actually helpful because of that. I'm not sure. I don't know. And I'll put the metabolic type. So when Meg says like fast oxidizer, that is like when you're getting a hair mineral test done, I'll put the metabolic typing episode in the show notes. This is why we have all our past episodes, our foundational ones, so that we can get into the fun stuff on here. But and if you want to do it, you can take Amanda's course and learn about it. Yeah. Plug for <laughs> Master Your Minerals. But when you're a faster metabolic type, typically you have lower calcium and higher phosphorus. So increasing your calcium intake or absorption can be very beneficial. So that's very interesting about the aspirin. And now I'm like, I want to go back to the clients I've had that it worked really well for and look at their hair test and see like what it was. Yeah. I I was just thinking about that because yeah, I'm interested too. Let me know. Let me know. I'll let you know. And and I I like read this thing about how it can, because I was doing research on histamines because like aspirin can be helpful. Some people find it helpful if they have high histamines. Some people don't, but then I was like doing this whole like podcast and presentation on it. And I went down this rabbit hole of aspirin and how it could potentially impact copper levels. So I was like, oh no, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. it's, but also eat a lot of copper rich foods and stuff. I just can't imagine that it would be that big of a deal. 
Yeah. And I think just like anything, so if you're hearing this, like you don't always have to spend the money for a one-on-one, you know, practitioner, you don't always have to do that, but it can be overwhelming and things like this, when you are working with a one-on-one practitioner, it, that is where it's helpful because we are going to think through that and we're going to be more reserved and help you process what's appropriate and what's not. So just take all this information with a grain of salt. But I will say that it is worth exploring aspirin for those that have had miscarriages. And I think that there's a lot of research that shows with preconception health in at least your first trimester, it's really helpful for the mother. And I think it also is helpful for the father. And actually, interesting, you're saying that about copper, because I've also thought that I read about iron overload. So we'll ha- it's actually helpful. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hash it out. And hopefully yeah. I'll have some stuff, some Instagram posts for when this episode comes out. But yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, also, and that's the other reminder that like when you take something, you have to weigh the pros and cons. And like, say for example, someone was worried about copper levels or possible impacts with iron. It's like, but if you have good copper and you're getting adequate copper in your diet, maybe you're doing beef liver, then the benefits of the aspirin supporting, like reducing your chances of miscarriage would outweigh the copper concerns. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes things are used for a short period of time and then let go and they're not used again. So just because you take something one time doesn't necessarily mean you need it all the time. It's called therapeutic, right? Therapeutic. Yes. And then I think that the other thing, because I know testing is a a really big question that people want to know on how to get started. I do love the GI map stool analysis because if you do have a parasite, if you are, have a lot of overgrowths and things like that, look and iron overload, but also, you know, it does make it hard to absorb and utilize these nutrients. So I do recommend that. That's a good place to start. And I said that quietly, the iron overload part, but we do know if there's candida, if there's parasite, there's probably something called iron overload. You can test with a full Monty. I have like a full blood chem that I do thyroid and you know, to full Monty to lipids and all that. But when you have iron overload by, you can test that again through a full Monty that is going to cause oxidative stress and inflammation. It's going to feed all the stuff that we do see showing up in the GI map. And it's going to contribute to the stressors in your body that may be part of the problem with a miscarriage or low thyroid or whatever. So what I don't want you to hear is I have to spend all this money. I have to do all this testing. There are options and there are plans. I always say there's a plan. So you can go with plan A. Are you meeting the foundations? Are you eating enough? Are you making sure that you're balancing your meals with a protein and a carb at least or protein, carb, and fat? Are we eating foods that are really nourishing to the body? So a variety of proteins, not just chicken and beef, but you're eating shellfish or you're eating fish or you're getting gelatinous foods in and bone broths and things like that? Are you eating a variety of root vegetables and easily digestible fruits? And are you getting, I said kale early, earlier, kale's wonderful. Even nuts and seeds can be really yummy, but are we utilizing that well in our diet? And there are so many resources that you can do for free and look at all that stuff. So if you're doing all those foundations of eating enough balancing your foods while resting and having fun. And then, you know, then I, that's when it's starting to utilize these tests like the GI map, the full Monty thyroid panel. And then I would obviously say minerals as well is going to be really helpful. And if you're interested in the minerals, it's the hair tissue mineral analysis. And you said that you have a link to that. 
Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. And I, I'll put like, the, if people are like iron overload, copper and iron is a whole thing. And it's very nuanced. And so I, I'll link to that episode so you can kind of better understand it. And we have like lots of mineral episodes in season one too. But I, I think the big thing is like, just seeing like, where are you at? And then not forgetting the whole thing about the cycle that Meg was talking about in the beginning, right? Like when you start implementing some of these foundations, look at your cycle tracking. How is it impacting your basal body temperature? How was your luteal phase? Did you ovulate any earlier or any later? Like there's so much information we can gather that sometimes it can feel overwhelming. And then if you're doing labs on top of it, it's like, whoa, so much information is like information overload. What should I do? And you can feel paralyzed. But I think if you keep your end goal in mind of like, okay, I want to conceive and then maintain this pregnancy, it can just help keep you much more focused on like, okay, well, my basal body temperature is going up. So then that's a good sign for progesterone and my thyroid. So like, cool, then that's, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Even if you don't conceive right away, right? Like, I think that was like another really big question. If you feel like, should we move on from this topic or is there anything else we want to cover? We talked about testing, nutrition, stress. Oh, I will say this. The last thing is it takes two to tango. So it matters to get your husband tested as well. I've encountered so many times where the husband just wasn't necessarily either creating enough sperm. The sperm quality wasn't good. The mobility wasn't good. I think a lot of us know that, but we as women take the hit first for like a year or two. And then we're finally like, well, then let's get our husband. So everything you're implementing nutrition wise, focusing on minerals and all that, especially when you do like just like an adrenal cocktail and the just variety of proteins, those are all very relatively safe for everybody. Yeah. Like I would Im- have your husband implement that as well. There's at-home tests that you can do. So you don't have to spend all the money pursuing a fertility doctor. You could just get the sperm test at home. And I think it's just really important that, you know, one of the things that we were going through, and I have a permission to share this, is that my husband, in addition to some of the life stressors going on, my husband was in paramedic school, college, and firefighting. So he was not only, yeah, so he was shift working, he was in paramedic school, which is like, you know, really hard. And then also was in college. Yeah, in classes. So his stress level, I mean, was out of control. And then he had me, you know, panicked all the time. So I think that I think that um, and a toddler. Toddler, yeah. A toddler, yeah. So the poor man, you know, and I'm just like, why are you more awake? (laughs) Wake up. (laughs) Just kidding. So I think that's really important to make sure as you're doing the testing for yourself, if you that it's equally important to check your partner's sperm, everything you're implementing, do together because also who doesn't want a healthy partner, right? We marry our partners. We want everybody around for a while. So, and one thing I I do, people always ask me because I do recommend hair testing with like fertility struggles, miscarriage, any anything like that. I just think hair testing is so helpful, but for men especially because certain minerals are so important for our sperm. Like yeah. boron is so important, and it's so helpful especially for men because it can help improve testosterone levels. It lowers SHBG, this like important binding protein, and it can even help with sperm production and motility. Selenium, same thing. So like there are certain things I know. I I I really, I dug into the male fertility because I get a lot of questions in my membership. So 
we're going to have more fun content on that in the future. But yeah, like minerals are also very important for men. And yes, some of the nutrition stuff can be a little different for men. I would honestly say they can do anything though. They have way more flexibility yeah. than we do. Yeah. So nothing is going to hurt them, any of our if suggestions. Anything, sure they're eating enough because usually they don't eat enough. I yeah. And they, they like eat like twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the hardest thing ever to go. My husband eat breakfast. But yeah. the, I think that that's like a really good one to be like, okay, here are the bases to like cover. And if you're like, I don't know where to begin with any of this, the f- whole like first season of my podcast, at least half that season is all like foundational episodes. And I'm going to link a ton of them in the show notes that I feel like are going to be the most important for anyone listening to this that's brand new to all this information. We know it's a lot and I don't expect you to go through all of it right away. Honestly, I would take it slow because I don't think overloading yourself with information is helpful. I think it's just more stressful. Yeah. Yeah. So take it slow, but like be curious and have, try to have fun with this process if you can. I know that's like a lot easier said than done. One other question, because like we have, so we have more questions around like, when should I try to conceive again? But I think before that, what, and obviously this is going to depend on like when someone miscarries, but like how does miscarriage impact your hormones? That's like what so many people want to know is there like, what are my hormones doing now? And I'm guessing it's a lot of them like are pretty like symptomatic. Yeah. Unfortunately, this, it's such an individual question because you can miscarry and go on conceiving and you actually, there's studies that show that you can conceive the higher chances of conceiving after a miscarriage it goes up higher. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah. After you've miscarried, the chances of conceiving is higher. And so for some people, if let's say it was a stressful season of life and that is just what impacted the miscarriage and then the progesterone, thyroid hormone is actually fine. And it was like, well, that was a really hard season of life. I don't really know what happened. And then you go on to be pregnant. That's great. Often though, it's like our bodies are are saying there's, there's something going on. There's too much of something. And so if that you've miscarried, especially if you had multiple miscarriages, there's probably some low progesterone, low thyroid insufficiencies going on or deficiencies going on rather. And that matters to take the time to work on and make sure that your body is utilizing these nutrients. Well, it's well fed. The progesterone can go back up. The stress is handled And it matters because you want to hold on to a baby. And let's say you hold on to the baby. You also have to have, you also want that pregnancy that you dreamed of. So you want to feed, nurture the baby really well with a healthy gut microbiome, not a lot of oxidative stress. You want to be able to breastfeed and have a good supply. There's a lot of connection between low progesterone and not being able to breastfeed. There's also a lot of connection between low progesterone and postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. So it's not just about getting pregnant, although I know that feeling of like, I don't even care, I'll deal with it. I know that feeling, but try to take a deep breath because when you really are able to slow down and really work on those things, it does dramatically impact your pregnancy, the health of the baby and your postpartum. Yeah. And and that's the other, it's like, you want to be, you want to feel good after, you know, it's like, you don't want to have this thing that you've been like dreaming of and this amazing baby and then feel like you can't show up for them. So a lot of people asked about like timelines or just like, how would they know when they should try to conceive again? If they've had a miscarriage, what are things that you would look out for that would tell someone that like, Hey, it could be time. 
Yeah, I would look out from just, I would be tracking my cycle and that's what I did. I was looking at my basal body temperature. I was sick of getting tested. So I was looking at my basal body temperature and I wasn't religious about it. I used the temp drop. So I I was saying I was using my basal body temperature. I was, meaning orally. And then I stopped and just was using my my temp drop, which is not a good correlation to what's going on in your thyroid, but it's an, it's like decent, right? Like you can kind of say like, oh, it shouldn't be at like 95 then there's probably, you know, even if you checked orally, it's probably low. So I was very sporadically keeping track as I was working on my health of my basal body temperature to see how things were. So I would say, is your cycle normal and defining normal? We will share all the resources for defining normal. But I would say if your cycle is normal, then that's probably a good sign to that you're ready to conceive. Biofeedback markers would be, how are you sleeping? What's your sex drive like? Obviously, that may be a little low if you like have been, if this is a painful subject, but, but biofeedback markers I typically look for are, or check in with myself. Sex drive, are you pooping every day? Basal body temperature, energy, do you have crashing at some point during the day? Is there a lot of brain fog? If those symptoms are still going on, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect to get pregnant, but there may be some more support that your body needs to, in order to really to get pregnant. And I will say this one last thing, because it's sitting in the back of my head and I keep saying, don't forget it in my head is if you fall pregnant and you are fearful of progesterone, they, if you call the doctor or a midwife and say, Hey, I want to get tested. They will, or I want to, I want to see if I'm pregnant. Sometimes they'll ask you to wait till six to eight weeks, which they did with my first son. And I, they did with the first, uh, the second time I fell pregnant. So I've been pregnant four times. And so the second pregnancy that did not go through, they said to wait six weeks to come in. And I did not push for it. I wish I pushed for it because when I was pregnant with James, my 10 month old now, I pushed for it and I was still low, a little bit low progesterone because I was not completely ready to have the baby yet. And I immediately had gotten the highest dose of progesterone, inserting it vaginally. And that was crucial. So I think that before we go, I forget that, that if you get pregnant, push for that. I've had a miscarriage. I need to get testing and I want to get on progesterone now. I don't care if I don't need it. I'm a huge fan of, like you said, I'm a huge fan of taking progesterone no matter what. And it's one of those things now where like we didn't really used to have much research on progesterone and pregnancy and if it helped, but now we do. Laura Bryden shared a great research article that finally showed that progesterone can actually help with that first trimester. And I'll find it and put it in the show notes. But I don't know. I took it for like the first two trimesters because I was testing my levels and throughout pregnancy and they were like at the very bottom end of normal. So not optimal, but normal. So I was like right there every single time I stopped like halfway through third trimester because it can, it can possibly delay or like prolong like your birth, like when your delivery date and stuff. So, but you know, like test, if you can, that's something that you can ask for though. Like I just asked my midwife, I was just like, here's my history. If you tell them your history, they're so much more likely to have reason. When you just like throw stuff at doctors or your physician, provider, midwife, whatever, and you, they don't feel like there's a valid reason for them to order it. They're usually not going to do it. 
And by the way, if anybody else is like, oh, I, I want to learn more because I struggled with my first son with postpartum anxiety or depression, Dr. Katharina Dalton has a wonderful book on postpartum depression, and she talks about progesterone therapy, and it was life-changing. And I read that book because I had a client who was suffering from severe postpartum depression, and I didn't know what to do. So that's a really great book. I'll put that in there and then the research article on progesterone just because like it's nice to have this ammo with you when you're like trying to advocate for your health. Okay. So those are things to look for if you want to conceive again. Very helpful. Do you have a few more minutes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We already kind of talked about like supporting your mindset when you got pregnant again. I guess like any other advice for like supporting yourself if you conceive again after having a miscarriage? I think the same thing. I would keep up with the community. I would ex- go get keep a counselor. I would keep scheduling in fun. I would keep scheduling in rest. I would keep focusing on eating enough, balancing blood sugar. That's going to, if you have major morning sickness, like probably a good sign that you're not balancing your blood sugar. So I really wouldn't change anything beyond I would take progesterone and I I don't know if anybody's going to ask this question, but I've been asked it before. Like when I'm trying to conceive, do I need to take progesterone that you, you may, that may be helpful. It depends on when you need to take it in your cycle. I would say my preference of how I approach it is I don't think it's bad at all, but also let's see what's going on in your body. Is it that your thyroid needs more support? Is it that your liver needs more support? Again, is there that thing called iron overload? And so I approach, let's get the systems of the body working optimally. So progesterone is, and anything added on that may just be more beneficial, but it's not something that I would say, oh, I take progesterone and then I get pregnant. Yeah. It doesn't always solve the problem, especially if you're super stressed. Like sometimes it will just exacerbate things or you won't tolerate it. Well, I've had women take progesterone and it almost speeds up their metabolism too much. They don't have the energy to back it up and everything just kind of goes backwards. This was a really good question that I loved. And I want to give this person a hug that asked it. How can you support pregnant friends while you're grieving your miscarriage? Oh, that was really hard. There's, you never notice more people pregnant than when you're grieving. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has different relationships of the boundaries and the things that they're allowed to say. My best friend, I'm 33 of 31 years. So we've been friends since we were two. She got pregnant. We, we got our, we got pregnant with our first kids, uh, found out the same night. We have a crazy story. <laughs> like we have literally our whole lives have been the same. And she got pregnant when I had my miscarriage. And so I remember how hard it was to celebrate her, but I like was celebrating her. There was nothing I loved more. And so in that relationship, I just felt like free to be like, oh, this is really hard and just express my pain while also celebrating. Daniel Tiger talks about this. If you ever watch that kid's show, it's basically, who's Daniel Tiger? It's, um, who's the... I have no oh, idea. I'm not at this season okay, yet. You'll get, there. you'll get there. Daniel Tiger, Mr. Rogers. It's off okay. of Mr. Rogers. Okay. And he talks about this. I mean, this is actually an adult word, but ambiguous where you can have two feelings at once. I recently watched an episode about Dan- uh, Daniel talking about ambiguous, two feelings at once. It is possible to have two feelings at one time to celebrate and to grieve. And I think depending on the relationship, you can open up and say, this is really hard, but I really celebrate you. But also I just need to tell you like, I'm hurting inside. And if they're just like my best friend, they will be like, I am breathing with you. I want to give you a hug. Yeah. 
how much information is too much. And you're probably, you're probably, for me, I was like, I'm fine. I just need to let you know I'm in pain. Can we talk about also my pain too? Which of course, most people are like good, good with. And then there were other relationships where it just wouldn't serve me well to go deep into my pain or, or their celebration as in like being so involved because I had to protect myself and they just were not as careful. And so I just learned the boundaries of my relationships and what felt good and what didn't. And went back to my husband and gave him all the word vomits of how I felt. Yeah. it's And I think that's like, that's where this other like community piece comes in where it's like to, in talking to other women that have experienced miscarriage, I, I feel like when yes. you yes. open up so about good. it, other people are like, oh, you know, I actually had one too, but I just yes. haven't ever told anyone. Yes. I think the gosh, that's such a good point. And actually at one point I did join a Facebook group. It got a little too much for me, either people trying to problem solve. And I was like, you're doing it wrong. Or like, just like so much of the pain seeing it over and over again. But there was a a short period of maybe like three or four days where actually being in that group was helpful just to know I wasn't alone. And then I found that it was too much and removed myself. But there are definitely different, even Facebook communities, if you're not ready to open up about it or want to find it more privately. Yeah. That's a good tip. I feel like there's a group for everything on Facebook. Any advice for those that have a friend or loved one that are going through miscarriage or have gone through it recently? I think the best thing that people did for me was make me meals. I never, when you're so sad, yeah, it's hard to function. Oh, I'm getting emotional again. <laughs> it's just hard to do the daily things sometimes. And I think a really well-nourished meal that you provide that you don't say, what can I do for you? You actually just bring it over. Don't ask your friend what they're going to do for you. Cause if they're anything like me, I will say nothing. And I will just be, and I, I, you know, I will don't want to put you out, but the people that fought through that and they brought me a meal so I could just be with my family or be in my pain. It was the best thing. And I know that's such a simple thing, but like that was the most beautiful thing that people did for me. And I, maybe that's just my personality, but it felt so care. I felt so cared for. I think again, it's important to not, if you know this person well, to not ask what they, what do you need? I think it's important to just do what you think they may need. Even if that means that you're a group, my friends are so wonderful that they will all chip in money. So like, even if it means that you and three other friends chip in money to get their house cleaned or to whatever their love language is, mine is a clean home and a meal. So like whatever their love language is that you do it yourself or you get a community around you and you just provide them with love and a space to talk. Obviously I think that's a given one, but I think the number one thing was people doing it for me, not, you know, just not asking and just showering me with love. I felt so loved because sometimes I was like, there's nothing I can tell you because you don't respond to me and you're going to try to say something. And I'm going to be like, well, it's not actually my, you know, no. So it's just like, but yeah. I hope that helps. I I lo- that no, good. I love that. It's a good one. And I would just like take some time to like think about that loved one and what do they like? What what would yeah. – and not what would make you feel good and happy. Like what would they want? I love that. that. Yeah, anything. The, I think the food is a good one for pretty much everyone because we all have to eat and like – it can be really hard to want to put together a nice meal. You know, you're, it's like you're probably just doing the bare minimum, which doesn't always feel great, right? So putting together a nice meal, I feel like it is like cozy. Maybe it's like comfort foods. Okay, last question. We'll wrap it up with this. If you could tell a woman that recently had a miscarriage one thing, what would you leave her with? 
Oh, I should have looked at that before. Well, I feel like you've already said a lot of like very thoughtful things, like especially when you're sharing your story. But I would, I think I would say that you are seen and you are loved. And I think I would just let you know that there's almost always answers, but sometimes there's not. There's almost always answers where you can get pregnant and have a baby, but sometimes you can't. I hate to leave it with that, but this is where I think that life is hard and I want to give you so much hope. And that hope is not just that you're going to get everything you want in this life, but that there's always going to be good that comes. And so when you hear this episode, you know, come up with a little plan. Maybe you write down what sounds good to you, what's intriguing. Make sure you're doing the foundations, you know, go through the first half of the podcast of season one do the foundational stuff, come up with a plan of testing that sounds good, and then try to release it from there. Journal, talk about your pain, get your community, but also keep moving on because there's a plan. Everybody has a plan in their life and and sometimes it doesn't go that way. And that's not, it's painful, but it's not the end. And so there's so much love and there's fostering, and there is adoption, and there are ways that you can mother it with just, you know, mentoring. And that doesn't mean that it has to be your only option if you can't get pregnant, but I just want you to hear that, like, take a deep breath. You are seen. You are loved. There is hope for good things to come, and come up with a little plan. Your body is not broken, but... Yeah, just have the wisdom of when to fight and when to celebrate other things in life. Whew, I feel like I've been crying off and on this whole episode and I've never had a miscarriage. So for everyone listening that has experienced this, oof, yeah. Oh, there's so many good quotes, Meg. I can't wait to tag you in all of these posts. There's always good that comes. I feel like that you could have merch and like that's what it would say. <laughs> like, if Meg ever made merch. Very Your body cool. With a little daisy on it. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. Thank you so much for doing this. I know it was a lot. I know it's like, it's hard to share, but I think you're the perfect person to do it. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Are You Menstrual podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review and sharing the podcast with someone you think it will help. If you are new here, we can't recommend enough to start with our mineral imbalance quiz. This is going to give you an idea if you are at low, moderate, or high risk for mineral imbalances. And then of course, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Hormone Healing RD and consider signing up for our newsletter. If you like nerding out and you are just loving these podcasts, but maybe you're a little bit more visual and you want to see things too, we go into a ton of detail in our weekly newsletter. So we would love to have you join us there. All right. Thank you. And we will see you in the next episode.